Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I hope to preach a uh, short and easy to remember, sort of take home this idea sermon on this All Saints Sunday about blessings, because that's what Sam just read from uh, Luke's version of the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus begins with the Beatitudes, the Lucan versions of the Beatitudes, blessings, which is blessings. So let's think about blessings for a minute. We generally understand blessings you know, as something good that's happened, right? We have a you know, strong marriage or financial windfall. That's a blessing. We think, well, this is really good. We th- we, we, we're grateful for our blessing. And sometimes when we're uh, struggling, we're, we're told, you've probably, somebody's probably told you to, to count your blessings, you know, what it would be helpful for you to count your blessings. And some people try to do this as a practice. They'll, at the end of the day, at night, they'll try to name sort of 10 blessings uh, in, in their life that God has given them. And I think it's a good thing to do because so often we get mired in what we, what we don't have uh, that we think that we need or what we have we think we do not want our lot in life and, um, and we would love which to change it. And we get mired in that mindset and it doesn't hurt to remember that we don't have the corner on pain and difficulty in our life. I mean, we all have it, but nobody's got the corner on it, uh, on pain. I mean, I grew up in the 80s and I was a big a Sting fan and police fan like everybody uh, my uh, age. And I love Sting, but when he sings, but it's my destiny to be the king of pain. I'll always be the king of pain. Like, I roll my eyes at Sting. Come on, son, you've got $660 million in the bank. Uh, it's time to count your blessings. You're not the king of pain. So the blessings, um, we, how else do we use that term at, at meals? We say blessings, don't we? Sometimes we say, we call it grace. And I grew up uh, where my dad would say a, a, a grace every, every mealtime. Uh, well, every dinner, not, not lunch and breakfast, which apparently didn't need it. But anyway, every mealtime. Uh, and it's, a, it's one you've probably heard. It's a traditional one. It's actually in the prayer book. Gracious Lord, um, make us truly mindful of all these, make us truly thankful of all these and all thy many blessings for Christ's sake. Amen. Uh, Maybe you've said that yourself, but my dad said grace kind of like an auctioneer or a um, Kentucky Derby announcer. Grace, Lord, make us truly thankful for the knowledge of the natural again. When it comes to Thanksgiving dinner, um, generally people who don't even say grace at on a normal time, probably somebody uh, will be asked, you know, the religious guy at the table will be asked to, to do, do the blessing um, before dinner, and you usually hope that person is somebody like my dad and not some like long-winded, pious religious guy, you know, as the turkey is wafting and glistening right before you. Uh, but somebody will say the blessing. Uh, what, how else do we use it um, when people sneeze? This is really interesting. This, this, we say bless you. Um, this happens, it got into our vernacular all the way back in our, our life. Uh, we use that word quite a bit. Now, um, saying bless you is one thing, but when you move into, now, bless your heart territory. <laughs> now we're talking the South here, people. And we all know in Southern speak, when you say bless your heart, you brought your special pecan pie for dessert. I means that thing is inedible, it's going in the trash, and um, you think you can uh, bake, but you can't, and you're generally a loser at all things. Bless your heart. So, that's what we do. 
Um, that's how we do it in the South. So, but that gets you, this is all just not fault or all, because it gets you to my point about the scripture today, is bless your heart, Southern speak, which is, you know, there's something wrong with you. You're, you're basically an idiot and things are not going well for you. That's, that gets right to what Jesus, that's his meaning. That's Jesus's meaning in the Beatitudes. I mean, did you hear what Sam said? He says, you know, he, he, it's a lot closer than the count your blessings, meaning what he means, because he turns everything upside down. He, he says, you're blessed if you're poor. You know, that's a blessing. Being hungry is a blessing. Um, being sad, hated is a blessing. This is what Jesus is saying. So, you know, not many of us, um, when we count our blessings at night, my financial difficulties, my problem with weight, um, my ongoing depression, my sadness that I can't get rid of, or, or the fact that I'm being gossiped about, gossiped about by my so-called friends. Nobody, you know, that doesn't spring to mind as a blessing when you're going to bed. The things that we would count our blessings, wealth and satisfaction and happiness, Jesus calls woes. So the whole thing is topsy-turvy in Jesus' mind and his, um, his worldview, his, his cos cosmology. So I'm not here on a mission to reorient the way that we use the word blessing because I think it's a good word, but it's very helpful to, to understand. This is the point I hope you take from this short and simple sermon of, of what Jesus has in mind. So our Greek and Turkey people are back. I'm going to use a Greek analogy. Um, um, the Greeks, um, the word for blessing in Greek is makarios, which, which means happy, that Jesus means but what it says, but it also means self-contained. In other words, that, that, you, that your blessing is self-contained. It's not dependent on the other things around you. They called the island of Cyprus uh, makarios because it was like the perfect place to be with the perfect climate, etc. Everything you needed to be happy was right there on Cyprus. Um, and so what, what we're not, he's not saying this, that, you know, being poor, hungry, sad, and hated will make you happy. Um, he isn't saying like, buck up, you know, you, you, you don't deserve happiness, just deal with it. He's saying that your happiness, in fact, is not dependent on what's ephemeral because it's this All Saints Day, we talk about people dying today. Everything's going to pass away. All the woes, all the blessings, it's all going to go away. Every single one of them, for good or for ill. He's saying that right now, whether you believe it or feel it or not, the terrible things in your life, which you see as terrible, they have no power over you. They have no ultimate control over you. And more than that, this is what I want you to remember, what he's saying is that those kinds of situations not only, um, even though they're terrible, they bring you close to God. That's how people come to God. They'll come to my office and say, I'm sorry, you know, this has brought me back to church. I'm like, everybody comes back to church when they're suffering. That's, what it's, that's the point. Lewis calls, uh, C.S. Lewis calls pain God's, pain God's megaphone to the world. It's okay. Um, he, well, they bring us close to God, but vice versa, actually. God comes close to us when we're experiencing this because there's a great scripture that says the Lord is close 
to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Now, um, you don't have to be blessed, you don't have to be poor literally and, um, and hated, etc., to relate to this because everybody at some point, and maybe you this morning, is brokenhearted or crushed in spirit. Everybody, all of us, at some point will be, has been, is on the receiving end of a southern, bless his heart. Bless her heart. So what I'm saying on All Saints Day, why this election was chosen, is that all that's bad in life, which we all experience, it's a preparation for all that's good. All that's bad in life, the little D-deaths that we experience at, 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 at being hated or the loss of a dream, it prepares you for the big D-death which is what we just sang, for all the saints who from their labors rest. We think about death. In a minute, uh, after the communion service, Josh will read the names of all of those at Christ Church who have had their funerals here, who have died since All Saints Sunday. That's what we do because we trust them to the living communion of saints. We think about death today. We think about sleep, too, because the clocks have turned back. I'm going to give you another Greek analogy. In Greek mythology, the god of sleep was hypnos. Hip, hypnosis, right? Hypnos, every night, sprouted wings out of his head. And he flew around, and he, he delivered these opiates uh, to people that, that um, soothed him. And they went into uh, a deep sleep, and they, were, they had a brief rest from their weary labors. And everybody loved hypnos, because we all need that. But hypnos had a twin brother. The twin brother is named Thanatos. Thanatos is the god of death. Thanatos went out at night too. He went into people's houses and he took people out and he dragged them down to Hades, to the underworld. So everybody loved Hypnos, but everybody feared Thanatos. Here we are today in this church because we have no, we say we have no fear of Thanatos. You're all gonna die. No matter how we deny it or work around it or don't want to think about it, and all the little deed deaths prepare us for the big deed death, which is the ultimate blessing. Blessed are you when you're dead, is what Jesus is saying. Blessed are you when we're dead. The worst thing becomes the best thing. We see that in the cross. That's how we know. This is a countercultural message. We see that in the cross because the worst possible thing, the death of Christ on the cross, becomes the best possible thing. Through his death and resurrection, we too will be raised and from our labors rest. And there's better news even. It's that um, there's nothing you need to do because you have contained in yourself all you need for this to happen, which is death, which is the fact that we're going to die. I love what um, our friend Robert Capon says about Jesus in the scriptures. He said, Jesus never met a corpse that doesn't sit up right on the spot. 
Jairus' daughter, widow of Nain, Lazarus, right on the spot. He says, that's not because Jesus has some kind of a magical number on them. It's because he himself has that effect on people because he is the resurrection even before he rises. He is the sacrament of the mystery of a kingdom in which we all rise from death. So you're all going to die, bless your hearts. <laughs> Me too. Then, with all the saints, you're going to sit up right on the spot and enter into a life in which, as we say in our funeral liturgy, sorrow and pain are no more, neither sighing but life everlasting. Amen.